Eighth graders, last week we talked about the app Shazam. Shazam, right? And, uh, and we talked about listening to God and, and the best way to do that. And so um, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the podcast, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, and uh, if you, they're handing out these note cards. Um, they're handing out these note cards for you to take notes on. And at the top of that, you guys can write in. It says uh, series title. Uh, you can write in. There's an app for that. At the bottom of that note card is the address, the web address to our podcast. So you can take that home, say, Mom, Dad, um, let's listen to this together and, uh, and talk about it, okay? So I would encourage you to do that, the listening to God, recognizing God's voice uh, and, uh, and the Shazam app, all right? Um, so for those of you that were here last week, though, how many of you guys remember what the, the tagline or the catchphrase? We've, we've had sort of this... Uh, like statement to mem- to uh, remember each week to kind of sum up what we've been talking about. Who remembers what we what we said last week? Yeah, Alex. What's that? That was two weeks ago. Last week. What was last week? Anybody remember? Yes. You could say it in, in concert, all of you. Say it together. To hear the voice of God, we need to what? Read the Word of God. To hear the voice of God, we need to read the Word of God. All right, who has, without looking, if you took notes, do you have it? The memory verse? Let's hear it. First, Samuel. Fantastic. 1 Samuel 3.10b. Okay, it's just the second part of that verse. 1 Samuel 3.10b. Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Now, how many of you guys uh, did the take-home challenge last week and made some time over this past week to spend time with God? You got in your Bible so you could, you could remove all the other distractions around you and just simply listen to God. Anybody try that this week? Yeah? Good. Thank you. Um, that's great. I'm excited. I'm glad you did that. Uh, If you didn't, I would encourage you to do this, okay? Listen, it is vital. It is vital for us, not just as believers, but for all people to understand what God's voice is, but especially for us as believers. We need to understand and recognize God's voice and be able to distinguish that from every other voice that we hear because we hear a lot of voices in our culture, in our uh, families, in our communities, in our schools and things like that, okay? It's, It's important, it's imperative. It's, it is the, a matter of life and death, quite honestly, that we understand and know who God is. And the only way we can do that uh, is by reading what he's already said to us. Okay, that's the best way to do it. And, uh, and so to hear the voice of God, we need to read the word of God. Okay? All right, let's talk about tonight's app. You guys ready for it? You can go ahead and... Uh, Pull it up there. Van, van, the man, van. <clears throat> All right. Am I up there? Yes. It works this time. Okay. Uh, how many of you guys have played Temple Run? Yeah? Okay. So you guys like it, right? Um, all right. For those of you that have never played it, you can play it vicariously through me right now. Okay. Yes. This is the original. Are you ready? 
Run, what is this? Run is Usain Bolt? Crazy. No thanks. That costs money. I don't want to pay for it. Okay. All right. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh. Oh, my goodness. That was close. I think I've gone this far before. Is it glitching? It's not glitching for me. Oh, look, I'm not even looking. Uh oh, dang it. I made a tasty snack. I got a new high score, though. All right. That's Temple Run. That was really stressful listening to you guys try and tell me what to do. But seriously, that, if, if I play that game like in the dark or just in, in when it's quiet, it's a stressful game to play. Anybody, we, like, you, you just got like, zoned in on it, right? And you hear uh, all those sounds and stuff. And it's like the, the turns and things come up on you fast and it, you kind of start to freak out a little bit. Um, if you haven't played, here's, the, here's sort of the general idea of the game, okay? You're an explorer, kind of like Indiana Jones, uh, and you have to run. You got to jump and slide and and uh, through this ruined temple, you got to move left and right to get the coins and things like that, or whatever you want to call them, the treasures. Um, oh, and there's one more thing. There's um, these rabid ghost-like looking monkeys that want to chase you down and eat you, okay? So what's that? Oh, I took their idol? Oh, I didn't know that. Well, still, they want to chase you down and eat you, okay? So not only do you have to worry about falling to your death or, or crashing into a tree or getting burned alive, but you, if you slow down too much, um, uh, then those creepy monkeys, they'll, they'll pounce on you and they'll gather around you and they will eat you. Apparently, I got eaten by a crocodile on that one because it jumped into the swamp. Um, take your pick. You still die, okay? This game takes laser focus for you to, uh, in order for you to keep running and to keep grabbing the treasure. One wrong move, yes. Flappy Bird is worse. It is. It is. Okay, either way, can you die in Flappy Bird? Okay, so I guess that still applies. One wrong move, right? One, in Flappy Bird or in Temple Run, one wrong move, and what happens? You're dead, right? You're dead. Death awaits you. The same thing can be said about temptation, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay, when it comes to facing temptation, one wrong move can lead to what? Death. Listen to James 1, 13 through 17. It says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. It's James 1, 13 through 17. We are bombarded on a daily basis with temptation. Okay, And some of those temptations uh, show up in things that were designed and created by God to be good and perfect things for us, good and perfect gifts for us. 1 Timothy 6, 17, 
uh, tells us that God has given us everything for our enjoyment. But I want you guys to make note of this, okay? God never leads us into sin through those things that are good. Nor does God lead us into sin, period. God doesn't do that. God doesn't tempt us either. James 1.13 tells us that. Temptation comes, and hear this, temptation comes when we begin to entertain our own evil desires instead of obeying God's desires for us. God has given us these good and perfect gifts, but they come with God-made boundaries and expectations. And he does that in order to, to provide us with pure enjoyment and to protect us from death. God doesn't give us these boundaries and expectations to ruin the fun. He actually gives them to us so that we can have the, the, the most enjoyment out of it. And it doesn't kill us. And if we obey God's boundaries and expectations, then those gifts will truly be good and perfect. But we are tempted by our evil desires. Everybody say, my desires. My desires. Okay? We trade God's boundaries and expectations and we, in, uh, in and we come up with our own boundaries and expectations. We come up with a brand new set of our own, right? We place ourselves in the center of our enjoyment instead of God, and that is sin. That leads us to sin. Temptation is fueled by desire. Desire breeds action, right? We act upon those things that we think about, and that leads to sin. And then in the end, sin breeds death. Now, the Bible is filled with Uh, Lots of stories of God-loving, God-fearing, God-serving people who uh, failed miserably in this area of temptation, okay? King David, King Solomon, Samson, and I would encourage you to go find and read their stories uh, over this next week. Um, It's a good reminder of what happens when the truth of James chapter 1 verses 13 through 15 is played out in somebody's life. But tonight I want to look at a guy who was different than those guys. I want to look at a guy uh, 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 who who um, his name was Joseph, and he's in the Old Testament. I want to look at, at, at Joseph because he stared a temptation, a, a, a tempting offer right in the face, and he said no. Okay, we don't see that a lot. But he looked it right in the face, and he said no. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Genesis chapter 39. Okay, it's the very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 39. And it's toward the, toward the end of, of Genesis. Now, here's a, a quick little background on Joseph while you're turning there. Um, Joseph was Israel's favorite son, and by Israel, I mean uh, the man Jacob. Jacob was later named Israel. Israel became the name for uh, the, the, um, the nation of Israel, his descendants, okay? But, but this is literally Israel, Jacob, and his son. He had uh, 12 sons, and, and Joseph was one of them. Joseph was his favorite son, Okay. Um, Joseph drove his brothers crazy because he kept having all these dreams about himself one day ruling over his brothers. And so um, naturally, because they're brothers and they didn't want to be ruled by him, they hated him. They were, they were jealous of him, uh, disgusted by all this. And, and so they plotted, uh, like any, any, uh, any sibling does, right? They, they plotted um, to kill him, right? Be honest. How many of you ever thought about it? Not seriously, but... You've entertained the thought a little bit, okay? They wanted to kill him because he, because he had all these dreams about uh, ruling over them. And, uh, at, but after they thought about it, they, 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 they had some sort of conscience, I guess, or at least they didn't want to be um, riddled with this guilt of murder. And so they decided to just sell him as a slave instead to a band of Ishmaelites. Those Ishmaelites, in turn, 
um, came to Egypt and they sold him to Potiphar, who was a, uh, an official to the Pharaoh. And, uh, and so now Joseph ends up in Potiphar's household, okay? And, uh, and Potiphar noticed right away that everything that Joseph did, God blessed it. And so Potiphar began to give Joseph more and more responsibilities and freedoms, and he put Joseph in charge of his entire household. The Bible says that the only thing that Potiphar concerned himself with was the food that he ate. Now, can you imagine if everything else in your house was taken care of and all you had to worry about was what you're going to eat next, right? Yeah, you're like, sweet. I need a Joseph. Um, and so Potiphar's wife, she takes advantage of Potiphar's lack of attention to Joseph, and she starts to pay more attention to Joseph, okay? And, uh, and, and, and that's where I want to pick up. We're going to start in verse 6. B, 6B, the end of, of verse 6 there, okay? It says, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And, and ladies, I want to translate this for you, okay? Joseph was a hottie, <laughs> right? Okay? Uh, my wife, when she reads this verse, she has a, a picture of me in there, all right? Um, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. What? Oh, no, she didn't. Verse 8, but he refused. He said no. Right? Now, we've already listed three Bible sort of bigwigs, if you want to call them, okay? David, Samson, and Solomon, who all failed right here. They all failed at this miserably. They did not refuse. They gave in. In fact, uh, some of them initiated it themselves. And so what makes Joseph different than those guys and anybody in here who, uh, who has a hard time saying no to tempting situations? What sets Joseph apart? Tonight, I want to share with you three uh, secrets that I believe that the Bible offers us over this, uh, this, these next several verses on how to follow in Joseph's footsteps and deal with temptation in the right way, okay? And, and, and you're going you're gonna to want to take notes on this, so make sure that you have your note card in front of you, because if you can remember these three secrets, you'll be amazed at how much less you find yourself being dragged away by your own evil desires when temptation comes your way. And if you don't think that you need to take notes, that's fine. Do me a favor. Take notes for your friend, okay? And, and share them with them later on this week. So here's the first secret. The first secret that Joseph shows us that, that uh, if we really want to escape temptation is this. This is secret number one. You ready? See beyond the cheese. I know, I know. You're like, you're like wait a second, hold on. I, I didn't see the word cheese anywhere in my Bible right here. What translation are you reading? Um, I'm not sure what this has anything to do with what we're talking about tonight. Is that what Potiphar was concerned about eating, right? Okay, listen, you'll get it in a minute. Just write it down. See beyond the cheese. See beyond the cheese. Potiphar's wife says, come to bed with me. Joseph says, uh, but Joseph says, but Joseph refused. Let's keep reading in, in verse 8. It says, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master was, has withheld nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. How then? Could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? How can I do such a wicked thing and sin against whom? God. Listen, 
This is a God thing, okay? We need to pay attention to this. When Joseph was invited to go to bed with this woman, he recites a list of blessings. He lists all the things that he knows he would forfeit, lose, or damage if he acted upon this temptation. For Joseph, the potential damage included uh, violating his master's trust, violating Potiphar's trust, forfeiting his position and his livelihood in Potiphar's household, and doing great damage with his relationship with God. At the end of verse 9, he says, I can't do it because it's a wicked thing against God. Now, don't miss this point right here, okay? Joseph knows exactly what an act of indiscretion and impulsiveness would cost him. He knows exactly what he's getting into. It's as if he'd already thought about this before. He, he knew that he, uh, God was blessing him left and right, and it, and it was as if he thought, uh, what could take all of this away in one fell swoop? He's playing out scenarios already in his head. Okay, what do I need to be on the, look, on the lookout for and be on my guard against? Now, I want to I pause here real quick and just share this, this quick but important side note with you. Joseph was blessed with many things, it says, but that's not why he was following God, okay? He wasn't following God as, as some sort of uh, uh, vending machine. He, he didn't view God as this vending machine that provides him with all the good things as long as he uh, stays in line and, and, and puts in the right change, right? If that's your view of God, then you're missing something. Listen, God is the blessing, God himself, his presence in your life, that's the blessing. We don't need anything else but him. And yet in his goodness and his love for us, he pours out on us all kinds of blessings in all, kind of, all kinds of ways. And these are good and perfect gifts for our enjoyment. Joseph has an intimate relationship with God, and he knows that one act of fake intimacy will break his real intimacy with God. Joseph is aware of what his potential temptations are, or could be, and before he's ever tempted, before any of it actually ever happens, he's already thought about everything that he would lose. He's weighed this out in his mind, everything that it would cost him if he gave in to the temptation, and he made a mental list of it. Now, you know how that paid off for him? When the temptation finally came, and it will, right? It did. He was ready. He had his list, and he used it. Now, make no mistake, temptation will come. In your life, it will come. It already has, several times. You and I both know this to be true, and it will come again, okay? You're going to find yourself in a situation. See if any of these sound familiar. You're alone with somebody of the opposite sex in your basement, and the lights are down low, and nobody else is around, okay? You get a suggestive text from somebody or, or, or a Snapchat that shows something inappropriate, and you have to figure out what to do with it. Or it's late at night and everybody else is asleep, but you're up in your room with the door closed and you're surfing the internet on your computer or your uh, phone or your tablet or whatever, okay? And we don't have to limit this to sexual, uh, all things sexual either. You, you have finals coming up, right? You guys still have finals? Yes? Okay. Now, l- let's, just, let's just play this one out for a minute. Maybe you didn't study as hard as you should have, and you sit down at your, at your final exam and you notice that uh, the person sitting next to you is not doing a very good job of covering up their test and you can see their answers. What are you going to do with that? Right? Or how about this? Maybe you did study well and your friend didn't and, and they're good friends with you and they, they sit next to you in class and they ask you if they can borrow your answers for the test. 
Or maybe you're grabbing some books out of your locker or you're cleaning out your locker at the end of the year and you hear a group of friends just down the hall um, gossiping and, and, and uh, spreading some rumors about somebody that you either know or not necessarily know, but uh, you know what they're doing is wrong and you have to walk past them. Are you going to stop? Have you played out situations like these in your mind before? Are you fully aware of the consequences that would come about if you gave in to temptation and acted on these situations in real life instead of just in your mind? Have you ever listed off ahead of time what you would lose if you were to give in so that you can say, I can't do it, and here's why. Boom, 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 boom. It's what Joseph did. And if you don't think about these things ahead of time, you will, like many others, fall into the trap of temptation. Listen, you and I are prone to wander. We stray. The Bible tells us this. We're prone to do that. And I, want, and I wonder if it might be because we don't think about the consequences uh, most of the time until it's too late. How many of you guys know what this is? It's a mousetrap, right? It's a gigantic mousetrap is what this is, okay? Um, it, it says rat trap on it. Mousetrap, rat trap, let's call it what it is. It's a death trap, right? Okay? Now, you know how this works, but if you don't, I'm going to show you, and, and let me just um, give you this little safety disclaimer. Don't try this at home, Okay? Don't go get one of these and, and try this. Um, if you have an illustration and you're like, Mom, Dad, this, is, this was really cool. Let me show you this. Um, I, just don't. Okay. Um, this baby right here, this won't kill you. It'll kill the mouse or the rat. It won't kill you, but it will break your fingers. All right? If you mess up. So, listen, I just gave you a consequence ahead of time. All right? So some of you are like, man, that's, that's cool. I'll go find this at Walmart and try that out. You've been warned. All right? Now, I'm going to try not to break my own fingers when I do this. I practiced this a few times today, and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous right now. It's really quiet. I practiced that a few times today, too. All right, so you know how mice are, right? How many of you guys had, had uh, mice in your garage or your attic or your house this winter? It was a bad winter, right? And so everything and, and anything was looking to get inside where it's warm. Um, so I had, I had several mice in my garage this winter, and, and, uh, and I put several traps out on my garage floor. And I remember walking out into my garage from my house one night. I flipped on the light, and I looked across the way, and just in time, I could see on the top of my, uh, I got a, a stack of scrap lumber. On the top of it, I saw this little fur ball, like, woo, like take off and jump down and hit the ground, okay, and scurry along the edge and go out the, this little hole between the door and the wall, the big garage door and the wall. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I have to, I got to take one of these traps then and set it up on here. And guess what? It worked, right? The next day, that baby was toast, Okay. 
In fact, over a course of, uh, of a few days, I had set out four traps, and over a course of a few days, I had four dead mice. Excuse me. I remember when I, when, uh, I used to go to, to uh, deer hunting out at my dad's farm. Uh, it, we had a little cabin out there, and we would actually, like, everybody would bring a trap, because uh, you know how, like, field mice are and stuff. We would all bring a trap, and we would, uh, like, throw a dollar in the pot, and, and we'd all get to set our, our traps out. And the, you could sit there at night with the lights off, and you could hear them snapping. Oh, so <laughs> just, and so we just, you know, just tried to figure out who was going to go off first. And Listen, you would think that, that, that mice would catch on to this. I mean, this is like age, ages old right here, okay? You'd think that, that, that it, let's just take my situation here with these, these four mice. You'd think that the fourth mouse would catch on after he, uh, you know, day after day after day, he like walks past the first trap and there's Larry going like that, you know, and then he, like the second day he walks past, hey Larry, and, and then goes up to the second mouse and like, and that one's going like, you know what I mean? And the third mouse. And so like the fourth time he's walked past three dead mice already, right? And they're all like, they're all, you know, if they could talk, they're like, no, don't do it, you know, but he's just sitting there and, and he just keeps going. Now, if he was a smart mouse, after he saw the first dead mouse right here, what he would do is he'd turn around and he'd run back and he'd call this giant mouse meeting with all his friends and family, okay? And he would say, listen, you guys need to come see this. Look at this right here. This is bad, okay? Look at Larry. He hasn't moved in three days. And he might say, look, I, I know you like the cheese, but, but, uh, but, but look, look what it's sitting on. Look what the cheese is sitting on. And he'd, and he'd gather them all up and he'd say, look, we don't, we don't need this. Let's not do this, right? Now, you would think, you would think that there would be some sort of logic here. But no, they don't, they don't think about it. The mice, they don't think about it. That fourth mouse... Literally had to, had to scoot past three dead mice before he made it to that last trap. And you know what? He wasn't thinking about, uh, about anything else when he was walking past it. He wasn't thinking about, whoa, you know, there's a problem here. He's, he's not looking at those mice. What he's thinking about? What's he thinking about? Jeez. <laughs> right? So you know what happens. I mean, the mice, they, they don't think about anything else but the cheese. And they're walking up, and, and, and they come up to this, and the, the, his, the first thing out of his mouth is, I'm going to die. It's not, he's not saying that, right? He's going, cheese! Cheese! Right? And then they get closer, and he's like, smells it, and everything's good. Bam! Just kidding. You know what happens. They get up there. And he dies, right? In a matter of seconds, in a matter of seconds, it's all over. Why? Because he didn't see beyond the cheese, right? He didn't see beyond the cheese. Listen, we need to see beyond the cheese. Joseph did, and he could sniff out the trap a mile away. I want to share something with you guys that's helped me in this area because uh, just like you, I face temptations uh, on a daily basis too, okay? Don't think that you, you're the, you know, sole uh, person on the face of the earth that gets tempted. Jesus himself was tempted. 
I face temptation like you do, and, and Jesus faced temptation like we did, like we do. Uh, we mentioned this last week, okay? If you, if you haven't read Matthew chapter 4 yet, uh, it's the account of Jesus going out into the desert to, to be tempted, purposefully to go out to specifically be tempted by Satan so that he could defeat all that for us. I want to encourage you to read that, but I want to share something with you that's helped me, okay? I have this three by five index card that I just dropped. <laughs> I have this three by five index card, and, uh, and I, a, a friend of mine introduced me to this a while back. We were studying this passage together, and he, 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 he looked at me and he said, man, if, if that's what Joseph did, then I'm going to do that too. I want to be ready. And anytime I'm in a situation where it gets a little tense or I'm having trouble with my thought life or, or whatever it may be, I want to be able to pull out a list of blessings that I would forfeit, lose, or damage if I gave in. So he took a three-by-five index card and he wrote on that three-by-five card the names of the people that mean more to him than his own life. And he wrote down his wife and his kids and he wrote down his close friends and his extended family members and he wrote down the names of the people with whom he'd shared the gospel who are not yet believers but who are still watching his life closely. People and things that he has invested in that are important to him. Now, I have a card like that, and I keep it as a bookmark in my Bible so that when I open it up uh, every day to do my reading, to spend my time with God, I see this, and I'll just kind of look over it every once in a while. Sometimes I don't even have to read through it. I just know that it's there, and I know what's on it, but sometimes I'll pick it up, and I'll look through it, and I'll remind myself of the things that are way more important to me. My wife and kids' names are on this card. I have friends and family members that are on this card. There are names of people with whom I've shared the gospel with who are not yet believers and who continue to watch my life closely. I also put down things like integrity, trust, my job, my reputation. These are all things that could be forfeited, lost, or damaged because of a poor decision I, I made on an emotional whim. You guys are on here. Did you know that? Students and leaders, both. You've, you've allowed me to build relationships with you. You've given me um, authority to speak into your lives. And all of that could be over. All that could be gone in a moment of indiscretion. I've heard, I heard it said once, uh, somebody told me, man, it, it takes a lifetime to build up a good reputation and it takes a second to ruin it. But most importantly, like Joseph noted on his list, my relationship with God is on here. It's on my list. Because listen, 15 minutes of wrongful pleasure, whether that's sexual or not, it's not worth the people and things that I have on this list. It's not worth giving them up. And when I think about the intimacy that would be broken between me and my heavenly Father, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against my God? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And if it can happen to King David, who was called a man after God's own heart, it could happen to me and it could happen to you. We're all in the same boat when it comes to temptation. We need to see beyond the cheese. And this card helps me do that because, let's face it, sometimes the cheese is pretty powerful, right? 
Sometimes the cheese looks tastier than other times. But listen, it has terrible consequences. And Joseph was able to look at Potiphar's wife in the eyes and say, I can't do it because I would lose everything. Now, you've each been given a three-by-five card, and I want you to take that out right now. And at the top of that index card, I want you to write, see beyond the cheese. Okay, go ahead and do it. Get your pens. Take that index card. At the top, just write, see beyond the cheese. Yeah. You don't have pens? Okay, share with somebody if you need to. Write, see beyond the cheese on the top of that card. So here's your, here's your take-home challenge, okay? I want you to do this tonight. I don't want you to wait till later on this week. I want you to do it tonight while it's fresh in your mind. On your way home, if you're not driving, if you didn't drive here, just on your way home, get it out. Write some, write some names down. Write some things down. People and things that you value most in your life that you would lose, forfeit, or damage. If you gave in to that particular temptation that haunts you, okay, write those down. Take some time to do do that tonight. You won't see beyond the cheese when it's right in front of you if you haven't already looked past it before it ever gets there. Make your lists. And then keep them with you. Put them in your Bibles or stick them in your wallet or something like that. And I, I want to encourage you to take it out every once in a while and read it. Because this is very real. One mistake. And you could forfeit, lose, or damage everything that's on that card. Now, the second secret that Joseph shows us is not just that we need to see beyond the cheese, but write this down, okay? Okay. We also need to stay away from the cheese. We see beyond the cheese, but we also need to stay away from the cheese. Look at what happens here. Verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, she said, he's a man, I can wear him down. He refused to go to bed with her or even what? Be with her. He gives Potiphar's wife a strong list of reasons why he's not going to do anything with her, but she doesn't give up. She's very persistent, and day after day, it says she kept at it, constantly trying to tempt Joseph into doing something that he would regret. But says he refused to go to bed with her. He, that answer was still no, and now he even, he even uh, refused to be with her at all. He stayed away from the cheese. I want you to underline that in your Bible where it says, even, or even be with her, right? Stay away from the cheese, Okay? That's what it looks like to stay away from the cheese. Joseph didn't flirt with her. He didn't stay around to just to be flattered by her. He had nothing to do with her if he could help it. He didn't entertain her in any way. And as soon as he knew she was after him, he stayed clear of her. He says the best way to beat the cheese is to stay away from it. So if you have a problem with pornography, it's probably not a good idea to sit up in your room late at night while everybody else is asleep and surf the internet with your door closed, right? Or to be Snapchatting or or, or flirting or things like that with someone of the opposite sex. 
okay? And, and listen, don't miss this. It's not just uh, everything sexual that's, t- that's temptation, okay? If you have a problem with gossip, it's probably not a good idea to sit in the back of the bus with that group of students who, uh, after school gets together and, and basically just catches up on all the, all the dirt on everybody and, and makes fun of this person and talks bad about that person. It's, it's a temptation, if you have a problem with stealing things, look, look you're not going to go spend your free time at the mall, right? I mean, that's just like begging for you, all that stuff there. You need to stay away from the cheese. I want you to think about this this week. What is it in your life that, you, uh, that, that tempts you? What is it in your life that tempts you? And what do you need to stay away from? Joseph saw beyond the cheese. He said, I can't do it. There's too many consequences. And then he stayed away from the cheese. But here's the third secret, okay? I want you to write this down. If the cheese comes looking for you, run. Okay? If the cheese comes looking for you, run. Verse 11. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand, and he what? He ran. He ran outside. Here's your memory verse for this week. All right, you ready? 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee. Run away. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We need to run. You need to run. Run away from temptation and run toward God. Every time you play Temple Run from now on, I hope you think of this verse, 2 Timothy 2.22. Okay? Think of those creepy monkeys as your evil desires, and they're chasing you, and they, they want to destroy you. Think of that treasure, the gold, or whatever you want to call it. Think of those as the things that you're pursuing. Righteousness, yeah. 2.22. Sorry, there's a typo in there. 222, 2 Timothy 2.22. Think of those treasures as, as, as the faith and love and righteousness and peace, okay? All the wonderful treasures that we find in a life with Christ. Uh, now, Temple Run, this is a single-player game, uh, and it's this endless running game. That means that you don't get help from anyone else, and you run until you die, right? That sounds awesome. Okay. Now, can you imagine if life were really like that? If you couldn't get help anywhere and you just had to run until you died? 2 Timothy 2.22 tells us not to run alone. We need to run together with others who are also running away from their evil desires and running to God. And we do this so that if we stumble along the way, they can help keep us from being overcome by our own evil desires and help us to keep running, and we can do the same for them, okay? In a way, our life here on earth is like an endless running game. As long as we live in, our, in these mortal bodies, temptation will always come looking for us, and that means that we can never stop running away. We have to continue to run away from it, and here's why. Because if you don't run away, and I want you to hear this, if you don't run away, there's a life of pain and shame and guilt waiting for you. And you can trust me on that. I know what that's about. Okay, now that that doesn't mean that your actions aren't 
uh, are, are unforgivable. I'm not talking about the unforgivable sin here. I'm, t- I'm simply talking about the physical and emotional uh, consequences of your actions. They're very real. Sometimes they can last the rest of your life. And some of you already know what I'm talking about. Whether you've given into sexual temptation or some other kind of temptation, you've you failed to see beyond the cheese and you fell into the trap. And you hurt yourself and you hurt others in the process. But listen, before you go any further in that downward spiral of guilt and shame, let me, let me just remind you of something tonight. Jesus himself faced every kind of temptation that we will ever face in this life, and he defeated each one. He lived a perfect life, and then he died on the cross so that that perfect life could be applied to anyone who believes in who he is and what he's done. For all those who put their trust in Christ alone, their sins, your sins, past, present, and future, that means you haven't committed those yet. They're covered under the blood that he shed on the cross. And because of Christ, you can be set free from your guilt and shame. You can be made new. That doesn't have to give, uh, but that doesn't give you license then to keep on in a lifestyle of sin. You can't keep on running towards sin in your life and say, I'm good, I got Jesus, I know who he is. It doesn't work like that. That's not true repentance. Your view of the gospel is, uh, is uh, a misunderstanding. You, you, have a, 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 you don't have a true understanding of the gospel if you think that way. But listen, you also don't have a true understanding of the gospel if you think that Jesus' sacrifice isn't enough to cover your mistakes. If you've messed up many times and you think that, man, there's no way that what Jesus did on the cross could cover all that, you're wrong. You're wrong. Don't let your guilt and shame keep you from the freedom that awaits you in Christ. This past Sunday, Pastor Dave said that to believe the gospel is to run to God when you absolutely blow it. And I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast of that message. You can find it in the same general area that our podcast is in. Okay, the message on Sunday was titled, Listen, Run to God. How awesome is that? We didn't even plan this, and it's such a fitting companion message to what we're talking about tonight, running from temptation, and he talked about running to God. That's 2 Timothy 2.22, right? Now, you need to know that with God's help, you can run from temptation. It's possible. It's possible. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us that God is faithful and that he will always provide us with an opening to run away from the temptation and to run to him. But when we blow it, we have another verse. We have another promise of God's faithfulness. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that God is faithful to forgive. If we confess to him and we, when we blow it, he'll not only forgive us, but he'll make us clean. That's his promise in 1 John 1, 9. So if you've messed up and you want to talk to somebody about it, then please pull one of the hype leaders or, or me aside afterward tonight and let us help you. Let us help you run to God so that you can find the freedom in Christ that he freely offers to everybody in here. Do it tonight. In Temple Run, when you die, you can start over and you can keep running and you, you might get farther than you did the next time. Okay? But in real life, when we die, that's it. There is no do-over. There is no second chance. Every decision that we've made in this life is final. So what do we need to do? We need to see beyond the cheese, right? 
We need to stay away from the cheese. And when the cheese comes looking for you, what do you do? You run. You run from the cheese. We need to follow Joseph's example. Know exactly what it will cost you if you give in. Stay away from the situations and the people that trigger temptation in your life. And when temptation comes looking for you, you need to flee from it. Sometimes physically, actually get up and run away. Joseph did. He wasn't above that, and neither should you be. Flee from it and run to God. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the free, good, and perfect gift of God is eternal life together with him in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your promise uh, that you are faithful to give us a a way out when we are tempted. Thank you for the promise that you are also faithful to forgive us when uh, when we fail to take that way out and we mess up. Lord, I pray for those in here tonight that are pursuing you, that are, are, are following 2 Timothy 2.22, that are desperately running away from the evil desires of their youth, and they're pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Pray that you would surround them with others who are doing the same thing. Surround them with others who are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart, and let them run together. And God, I pray for those in here tonight that are pursuing the sin in their life and and running away from you and toward the sin. Lord, I pray that you, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would convict their hearts tonight. That you would remind them that they only get one chance at this life to surrender and give themselves up to you and and, and, uh, make you their Lord and follow your ways and receive your forgiveness and your love and your mercy through the sacrifice that, that you made that no, no one else in history has made for us or will ever make. Your death on the cross and your resurrection three days later sealed it for us. We don't longer have to earn our way. We couldn't do it anyway. Couldn't do it anyway. So God, I pray that we would simply uh, run to you tonight. Some of them in here maybe for the very first time. And I pray for that student in here or the leader, God, uh, or whoever listens to this podcast who, who um, has messed up and they feel like the, the guilt and the shame of, of whatever it was that they gave into uh, that that's caused in their life, that, that that's too much to, to come to you. I pray that you would lift their head and that you, they would see you. I pray that you would bring someone around them and that, or that they would reach out to someone who can remind them of your truth in your word, that they would hear your voice like we talked about last week and see the promises that await them if they would just surrender to you. Lord, we do love you and we thank you for who you are. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. Would you help us this week? Would you help us to think ahead of time about what the things are that that trigger our temptations and would you help us to to be aware of, of our own evil desires? Would you point those things out to us as we read your word? Would you help us be ready for the next time? In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.